0: Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 at The Home Depot. How doers get more done.
3: Brought to you by Toyota. Let's go places. Welcome to Forward Thinking.
0: Hey there, and welcome to Forward Thinking, the podcast that looks at the future and says, what is this thing that builds our dreams yet slips away from us? Jonathan Strickland. I'm
3: Lauren Vogelbaum.
1: And I'm Joe McCormick. Today is going to be part two of a two-part series we're doing on anti-aging technologies, the reversal of aging. Can you forestall death for some number of years? Can you make your tissues seem younger again? Uh, In the last episode, we looked at some technologies and recent advances and ideas about how long it would be before... It was possible for us to, uh, to become younger again, to achieve true rejuvenation through science and technology. But today we want to look at some of the, uh, philosophy, you might say, or the ethics surrounding these claims. Or the
0: science in some cases. Yeah, we're looking at how there are some very strong voices on different sides of this issue and what they are arguing and what they are Claiming the other side represents um, or sides, I should say, because it's not like it's just two. Uh, It's kind of simpler to think of them as two. And in in large part, we're going to be focusing uh, on Aubrey de Grey's philosophy versus versus people who think that that philosophy is, uh, let's say, junk. There are many other words that we could use that some people would believe are are relevant. And it's really an interesting way of looking at how the scientific community handles this sort of stuff. And where you fall on this issue may depend heavily on your own personal uh, point of view, as well as just your confidence in the scientific uh, knowledge and and ability of whichever camp you you find yourself you know more in support of
3: uh, right because it's not just the science community that is talking about this kind of thing i mean i mean we all talk about aging we all think about it we all purchase products related to it or at least man, man, many of us do or i mean i at least many of us drink water and eat vegetables that that sometimes counts a little bit uh, that's true yeah. i do buy a lot of water you do yeah and <laughs> every every month Sucker. i it's nothing but coffee for Jonathan.
0: Well, I mean, I, I don't buy the water.
1: <laughs> what, you just get it from natural water sources? What?
0: What? Do you have rain barrels? Of course I do. Oh, is that legal here? Am what? I getting you in trouble? Shut
3: up. That you... <laughs> All right, so. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Yeah, no, no, no. It's, it's, it's a very impassioned subject is what I'm trying to say. Right.
0: And it and it's one that, that gets a lot of coverage too, yeah. right? I mean, it's.
3: Oh, yeah, yeah. For
0: I mean, who would have thought that people want to read about ways that they could live longer or be healthier for longer spans of their life? For some reason, people seem to feel like they have a vested interest in this subject. Uh,
3: Yeah, so it's not just a conversation among scientists or among the general lay population, but also among the science communication media.
1: Yeah, and I think that's the source of some of these problems. Uh, I mean, one problem with this topic is that It inherently has the features – by this topic, I mean uh, research into anti-aging technologies Mm – it inherently has the features of a research program that lends itself to, first, sensational reporting, and second, something I would call skeptics fatigue, uh, where – There are some other topics like this. For example, how about an easy side effect free solution to weight loss, whether this is a drug or technique, a certain new diet, new food, whatever. Mm -hmm. I would
0: would also argue that a very similar approach that doesn't have anything to do with health would be any sort of new energy or propulsion system. We've seen these reported multiple times and there is – uh, I, I often see that same kind of response to those as well.
1: Well, I'd say that that's pretty different, though, because a lot of those things claim to violate the known laws of physics. I'm, I'm not
0: talking about perpetual motion. I,
1: oh. Some
3: of these articles propose to, <laughs> to the violate laws the, the laws physics. of physics, no. too.
1: Oh, OK, well, no, I mean, what I'd say, though, is that I'd argue at least there's absolutely nothing in principle that makes either of these projects either – uh easy, side effect-free weight loss or reversal of aging impossible to accomplish in principle. I mean, there, there are health engineering issues. Can you engineer a drug that does this? It's entirely possible. There's a drug that makes you healthy, successful, dieting, easy. That I mean, that that could exist.
0: Joe, I, I want this drug. Where are you keeping these drugs?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'll take your money in a minute. Uh, But And then also a particular therapy could make your body effectively 20 years younger without causing cancer. There's no reason I can see why this wouldn't be a thing that could happen. But because these projects are hoping to provide satisfaction of deep desires people have, like, you know, be thin, be fit, be healthy, live longer. Be
3: more attractive. Live forever.
1: uh, These are these are desires that are held widely by people who aren't very involved with science and don't read about science a whole lot they they these topics tend to reward sensational journalism and overhyping of the meaningfulness of new studies you ever notice how like every few months there's a new study that could mean the end of aging or could be the new solution to easy weight loss well
0: and, and you know it, it doesn't help that we live in the age of clickbait where headlines are specifically engineered to try and get people to click on them and may or may not be an accurate representation of the actual information that is included after you click. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, beyond that, there are also bad people. Oh, yeah. Right? Oh, sure. There are bad people out there who want to
1: prey on these deep desires. Yeah,
0: exactly. I mean, if you are a person with no scruples, then you could easily identify a target audience that has a very vulnerable point to to aim at, and use that as your means of leveraging that person so that you can make bukus of money. This happens all the time.
3: That's one of the ways that you wind up getting things like 12-day juice detoxes being advertised to you.
0: Yeah.
1: Wait, those don't actually make you live to 900?
3: Not that I'm personally aware of. But they sure, the
1: Methuselah cleanse.
0: They sure do move <laughs> a lot of juice. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, I mean, you've probably seen this stuff in banner ads. One one easy trick to stay skinny forever. One simple technique to become 20 years younger. Yeah, yeah.
0: you tuned into basic cable, either, like, before six a.m., you're gonna see these. Yeah, <laughs> so I, this
3: this mom created a miracle cure. Dentists hate her. Right. So yeah. so
1: these phony ads, these phony predatory ads, plus just maybe well-meaning but just not very good, overhyped media representation of of research in these areas. I think leads many skeptical people to be inherently reserved about these subjects, maybe more than they would be if they weren't reacting to this kind of coverage all the time, if oh, you know sure. what I mean. Mm. Like I often sense in the tone of their reactions the many skeptical science writers feel compelled to downplay the importance of research in areas like aging reversal uh, or even the merits of the whole project of research itself you know and i can understand the reason for this but also i think if a therapy does appear to show promise for reducing symptoms of aging that's worth responsibly spreading information about.
3: Oh, sure. Well, and, and I and I do want to put in, like, I feel like we're being a little bit harsh on on both the research end and also on the media end, and I, I don't think that the majority of people are trying to trick you. Right. I, I think that a lot of people who are creating these types of therapies genuinely believe, perhaps through misunderstanding of science, that, that what they're doing is, is good and can help people. And I genuinely believe that most media, I mean, I know that I've written headlines where, like, afterwards someone kind of Called me on it. They were like, "That's clickbaity," and I was like, "Oh, it is." Um,
1: oh well, I mean, exactly what I was just about to say was, I think a lot of the times the research is fine, even the whole article itself is fine, but an editor put a headline on it that's like, "What?"
0: Uh, well, there's there's also the issue of press releases that are written by someone who's in PR who doesn't necessarily have an actual understanding right. of the, right. the science behind it, who might be misrepresenting a scientist's work and the scientist. Would never have present said it that way. Present, right. Exactly. And and yet the the press release is what the media picks up uh, and, and the media may or may not rework that press release to any extent, which could potentially make it even more cloudy than what it was before. Mm-hmm. And you get to this level where what is being communicated to the public may not reflect reality again, not through any kind of malicious intent to misinform, but rather through. Just a human failing, which yeah. happens. Yeah. So, so but, I think
3: I, I think along these lines, we kind of touched on this in the last episode, but I think Joe, you had a proposal for us.
0: Oh
1: yeah, the the a easiest blood way, pact, if you will, the easiest way to to uh, bring down the the temperature of these whole conversations is to never again use the phrase "fountain of youth" for anything related to science. Yes. It's all now just spigot of infancy.
0: Uh, I was just spigot gonna... of health. Spigot of health. Okay. I'm gonna go with a teenage wasteland. Okay. 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 Visiting the teenage wasteland. Uh but so, so
1: uh,
3: slightly uh, more confusing message but I understand. Well, <laughs> okay. we
1: should we should transition to talking about th- yes. there is definitely a camp of thinkers out there who are not fond of anti-aging research for various reasons. They might think that uh, this is not actually a fruitful avenue of research, mm-hmm. or they might have philosophical or ethical objections to the project. And,
0: and this this was something that, if we had been doing this podcast 15 years ago, this conversation would probably focus almost entirely on, on uh, the burgeoning field of stem cell research. Yeah. Because back then... Uh, it was a very, and it's still in some ways, it was a very controversial subject. It's less so now because we found other means of accessing uh, stem cells. Also, there's a greater understanding of how stem cell harvesting happens in the first place, mm-hmm. where that's not as big an issue as it once was. However, uh, there are still other things that that come into play when people start objecting to this sort of research. And sometimes it's not even that they're objecting to the research, they're objecting to the way it's being framed in such a way that it seems like the research is uh, is trying to justify claims that have already been made, as opposed to research to find out if a hypothesis is true. It's more like this is research to... Uh, and we're going to cherry pick all the data that seems to support this this uh, premise that we have set forward. Mm-hmm. So part of the issue here, and we talked about this in our last episode, it's it's a big, big problem, is that we don't have an agreement on what actually causes the process of aging mm-hmm. uh, or that there is something so simple as to say this is what causes aging. It may be so, multiple factors uh, that are all kind of happening at generally the same time in our life. And so since we don't have that agreement, we don't have the scientific understanding of that, it makes it very difficult to have a meaningful conversation if you're coming at this from two different points. Because it may be that one camp is really focused on one aspect of aging and another camp is focused on another aspect of aging. Perhaps they're both right individually individually. But that the overall picture is larger and in, and, and incorporates oh, yeah. both of them.
3: Uh, yeah, yeah. The more that I've been researching this topic over the past week or so, I, I honestly think that none of the party lines that I've heard about aging could possibly be totally right or totally wrong. Um, it's just so ludicrously compl- complicated and there's so many, so many factors.
0: Yeah, exactly. So. Here, here's some examples. We've got – and we talked a little bit about this in our last episode too. You have the genetic hypothesis of aging, which talks about the genetic code that gives our cells instructions on how to behave and what to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, and that includes the instructions that could lead to uh, an organism's death by, by just extreme age. That could be – that's where the secret is. You have to get that in the genetic code. You have to identify that and rewrite it. Uh, so – we know that cellular death uh, apoptosis that that has something to do with the genetic code that the biological clock is a thing with cellular death mm-hmm. it is less clear on senescence
3: the leading to to apoptosis yes exactly yes.
0: senescence being the 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 halt of uh, cellular division and then followed by apoptosis which is cellular death uh, that's clear it's less clear on an organism scale if you know what what uh, factor Genetics plays, uh, but it's uh, an important little point to make. And then over on the pro anti aging side, so we have the anti anti aging and the pro anti aging. <laughs> uh, you have people like Aubrey de Grey, who argues that aging is really the result of accumulated cellular damage. Mm. So he's really looking at at kind of some would argue. Uh, a step beyond whatever the root cause of aging is this is the the effect of it that then causes other problems, uh, health problems. I,
1: I don't know if he's updated his uh, his ideas since then, but I remember the last time I researched a gray, he had seven points, right? Yes. He said there are essentially seven things that happen that cause aging. And if you can fix these seven problems, you have stopped aging.
0: Right. And, and genetic therapies might play a part in treating the causes of aging in this sort of view, but it's not necessarily thought of as the ultimate stop. It may be that you find a treatment that stops the damage, the cellular damage, or removes the cellular damage or repairs the cellular damage. And that in itself becomes the anti-aging treatment. So in other words, you might even have a treatment that doesn't address the root cause. It just addresses the symptom at a speed that is sufficient to keep you from going down that particular route of aging, uh, which would be the, the spigot of health approach, I assume. Uh, spigot of health. Now, those are not the only two hypotheses that attempt to explain <laughs> the aging process. There are lots of them, but those are two big ones. And that's a big part of where the problem lies, right? What,
1: what about the uh, hypothesis that it's just that you've been left out in the sun too long?
0: <laughs> <laughs> the raisin, uh, mm-hmm. the raisin, raisin detra. Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh no. I, I I saw the opportunity and I took it. But anyway, yeah, this is where you get these proponents of these different camps who they might be extremely knowledgeable about their particular discipline, their particular uh, area of research. And because of that knowledge and because of that expertise and because of the time they have spent in there, uh, they feel that that is the most promising or most legitimate way to define aging and the uh, and, and the other person is completely off base, whereas that other person is feeling exactly the same way.
3: Uh, right. Well, and, and especially when you get into the type of science communicators, you know, not not just researchers, but science communicators like Aubrey de Grey, who um, who are personalities unto themselves. Yes. You you get into an area where it's definitely easier and it might be more profitable to say yes, this thing is definitely the answer, and that other guy is wrong.
0: Yeah, and that other guy is a very polite way of of putting it. Because like I said, uh, when you start researching this and you start looking into even the academic papers, there's a level of animosity that is just barely disguised by civil discourse.
3: Oh, yeah. I, I sort of feed on it, actually. <laughs>
0: uh,
1: you know, one thing that's interesting to me is that makes me wonder if that uh, level of Color in the uh, in the <laughs> disagreement is mm-hmm. evidence that this involves the violation of a taboo, like that mm-hmm. it's not just that uh, people are disagreeing about how to do something or about whether a certain avenue of research is fruitful, but about whether people are uh, having their their sort of base instincts offended.
0: Maybe I think. Not not can we do it, but
3: should we do it? What shall we become if we do it?
0: I'm sure that's – well, there are certainly people who question uh, research into anti-aging who fall into that particular line of thinking, right? The ones who say that is unnatural and therefore it is not right. You should not do that. Um, So there are people who feel that way. I don't know that that's the underlying cause for a lot of – like the the doctors and scientists who disagree with DeGray's approach – Uh, It may may fall closer to the line of um, I think of people who have I hate using this example, but it's the one that comes to mind uh, anti-vaxxers where you have doctors who are they've seen the benefits of vaccinations. They know the risks that are involved and they are very small compared to the massive benefit that vaccinations provide. But you have a a vocal group of people who have very strong feelings about this somewhat based on uh, uh, at least one person's claim that it's a scientific uh, attack against vaccination, saying that I have proof here that these things are bad. I think that um, the the that some of Aubrey de Grey's critics, they probably wouldn't go so far as to say he's on that level. Right. But that Aubrey de Grey is, at least in part, a uh, uh, kind of almost like a carnival barker, like getting a lot of attention and a lot of excitement around this thing, which, by the way, leads to lots of money. Oh, yeah. I mean, we're talking about investment to to fund the research that Aubrey de Grey does. Yeah. And that, I think, leads a lot of – gives a, a lot of people a bad taste in their mouth and that fuels this Skeptical kind of Skeptical fatigue. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah.
3: Uh, in, in the case of MIT's technology review, a $20,000 worth of bad
0: taste in their mouth. Actually yeah, this Back
3: in two, 2005, after Aubrey de Grey's uh, TED Talk came out, I believe, was when this happened. Yeah, this is
0: crazy. So when we talk about animosity, so MIT's technology review, they ran a piece about uh, uh, the, the claims that Aubrey de Grey was making after this TED Talk. And it prompted a ton of reader response that they said was spirited and lively and led to them devising a competition. And in that competition, MIT put up $10,000 and Aubrey de Grey put up the other $10,000, a $20,000 prize to any molecular biologist who could prove that de Grey and the SENS Research Foundation, which de Grey founded, was Quote, so wrong that it was unworthy of learned debate in the quote. And SENS, by the way, stands for Strategies for Engineered Negligible Senescence. I think we mentioned that in our Mm -hmm. previous episode, but just in case you were wondering. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it was essentially saying we will pay you $20,000 if you can write up a piece that proves that the SENS argument, that their approach is uh, so far into the realm of fantasy that it cannot be considered uh, scientifically valid and we shouldn't even, like perpetual motion, we shouldn't even bother talking about it. Yeah. So they got some judges uh, that included biologists and computer scientists, actually. It's interesting if you look at the list of judges. Uh, and they received five submissions to evaluate, but out of those five, only three actually met the terms of the challenge. So down to three. And then at that point, uh, De Grey was allowed to read each of the challenges mm-hmm. to write a rebuttal And then the people who wrote those pieces were able to read DeGray's rebuttal and respond to it. That entire piece would be taken into account when the judges were reading and reviewing the information. Okay. So in the end, it was a stalemate, essentially. Uh, The judges said that none of the three submissions that actually met the requirements proved that the Sen's approach was fundamentally flawed. But... They also said that De Grey failed to defend SENS properly, and that his ideas were largely fanciful. So, in other words, no one came out of this looking great. Um, although, uh, to be fair, they actually said that some of the the pieces that were submitted were very well written. They just didn't succeed in uh, convincing anyone that the SENS approach was, be, you yeah. know, beyond proving the scope beyond of a
3: reasonable doubt. Yeah.
0: yeah. So. Some of the judges expressed personal doubts that SENS is a valid approach, uh, but granted that without scientific evidence to prove or disprove the hypotheses that SENS represents, it's impossible to say that for certain. And they use the term, quote, sensational a lot to describe the SENS agenda, uh, which huh. I think it works. It's sensational. Oh. Uh, the judges did award $10,000. Uh, this came straight from MIT. They didn't touch DeGray's money. So the $10,000 that MIT put up went to one submission, which they said, the judges said, was uh, particularly well-written, but didn't actually prove that SENS was beyond scientific merit. That piece was written by a collection of scholars with Dr. Preston W. Estep III as the chief author. Uh, The piece is available to read for free online. I recommend reading it. It is entertaining. The group argued that the SENS approach fit the definition of pseudoscience, which is, Hmm. in scientific terms, a sick burn. So um in that piece, uh, Estep et al. wrote that these uh, objections, he, they listed objections earlier. They actually listed a, a, a long, I think like 20 item long list of things to identify whether this claim was pseudoscientific or not. And the first three are what they were focusing on. Those three objections highlight the fact that human aging is not well understood and any prospective therapy or cure must be regarded as pure speculation. This is, in fact, the crux of this list and any claim of a cure for human aging prior to evidence of therapeutic efficacy or prior to a scientifically supported mechanistic model of human aging must be pseudoscience, which is pretty harsh words. But in a way, you can understand exactly where they're coming from. They're saying if you don't understand the cause of a problem, you can't hope to solve the problem. You you can uh, you can address the effects of the problem, but you're not solving the problem. And De Grey, they were arguing, is making a case for solving a problem, and right. this, that's that's where we're having an issue because what he's claiming, in our view, is impossible at this stage of our understanding. Uh, they objected to De Grey's seven pathologies, claiming that they are at least partially arbitrary and that de gray purposefully excluded some pathologies unscientifically so in other words he was identifying these seven keys to aging but they said there there are more that de gray for reasons we don't understand chose not to include they don't fall into one of the other categories he had identified and he does not address why he chose not to look into these others so therefore this isn't scientific at all uh, they said that sins amounts to little more than quote a collection of prospective therapies, some simple and mundane, for example, exercise, and some best described as fantasy. End quote. Ooh. Yeah, so not the only time that De Grey and his work would be criticized. It happened again in two thousand nine. Mm-hmm. I read this paper as well. It's a paper titled "Science, Fact, and the SENS Agenda." Now that I would argue. Already has some loaded language agenda. The word agenda suggests that, to me, anyway, to me, there oh, seems no, to be yeah.
1: nobody ever oh. says agenda in a positive
3: yeah, no, the, way. But yeah. the, the word agenda has an agenda.
0: Yeah, there's an implication there that that there is a purposeful. Mm, to me, it implies that they think they're purposefully misleading folks.
1: People use it to describe what they think of as a nefarious political faction opposed to right. them.
0: Right.
3: It's similar similar to objections to the term conspiracy theory, because by t- calling it a conspiracy theory, you're already kind of degrading it. To, right.
0: Right. Yeah, because you
1: preferred, oh, I don't know, the, that could be a perfectly apt description of a thing, though, if you are if you have a theory about how parties conspired to do something.
3: Well, uh, under those circumstances, I think it's accepted. But under but but if, if you're talking about a conspiracy theory, when it's in fact just a fringe theory, that fringe theory is the preferred term. Uh, by the OK. Way. Yeah. I have a couple of I French learned theories. this.
0: They all involve costuming. <laughs>
3: uh, this 2009 paper. No, oh,
0: sorry. Yes. Uh, the Science Fact <laughs> and the SENS agenda was published in the National Institute of Health's Library of Medicine, and a group of researchers and doctors posted an objection to the anti aging camps, again, focusing primarily on de Grey and SENS. Uh, so the general consensus in the Consensus in the group was that De Grey was oversimplifying the causes of aging and that his proposed solutions had never been shown to extend the lifespan of any organism, let alone a human. De Grey, by the way, responded to this and said, yep. Oh. But essentially was saying that oh. that doesn't mean that it won't ever be shown to be efficacious. It's just not that way yet. Mm. Um, they didn't go so far as to say we'd never find ways to counteract aging. Rather... They argued that de Grey's approach was incredibly optimistic, perhaps in the realm of pure fantasy, you might be sensing a theme here, and that actual scientific evidence is needed to support any of the claims he was making. They did assert that it is unrealistic to believe that we will find an approach within our lifetimes to reverse the process of aging. Specifically, the paper reads, quote, the idea that a research program organized around the SENS agenda will not only retard aging, but also reverse it, creating young people from old ones and do so within our lifetime is so far from plausible that it commands no respect at all within the informed scientific community, end quote. So essentially, they were arguing that MIT's $20,000 $20,000 should probably go to them. Because so,
1: <laughs> so this was 2009. Yeah. I wonder what these same authors would think now. I mean part of the issue here is that they're directing uh – they're directing their critique at sins specifically. Yes. But then uh, – so this is partially like the model de Grey has of yes. approaching the aging problem as an engineering problem. And yet as we've established, there are other ways of trying to reverse or counteract aging. Yeah, the, um, these
0: were these were specifically critics of de Grey's approach and not necessarily of but, realms of research into aging in general.
1: But you can see it in the language there that there's some spillover. Yes. Like there's some contamination in a way – of one's attitude toward a guy they specifically have a problem with to the whole project. It,
0: it definitely feels like some of them are teetering between that fine line between being a skeptic and being a denier, mm-hmm. right? Like – and and to be fair, again, that was two thousand nine. Well, yeah. Mm.
1: But the whole reason I brought this up was I was wondering, I wonder if these people would still say the same thing. Yeah. I mean, given yeah. well, some of the research we've talked about from recent years.
3: And and is there skepticism about about that type of research coming from people other than De Grey and and the SENS Institute?
0: Yeah, I I think I think that De Grey is such a polarizing figure that it made it easy for certain people to make statements that perhaps are more wide than they had intended. Um, Because I know that a lot of these doctors and scientists were in the realms of researching aging in the first place. And it's not like they don't think their work doesn't have merit or won't have some sort of uh, applicable therapy that could be used to treat at least some part of aspect of aging.
1: But uh, one thing these critics definitely do have right is that, Pretty much all the stuff that's out on the market today, because yeah. there is such stuff, that's all bunk. You know, the stuff yes. people are selling today, like yeah, become young again with this one simple pill.
0: Yeah, the, uh, the back in two thousand two, a group of scientists and doctors published a paper in the Journal of Gerontology titled "Position Statement on Human Aging," which sounds incredibly like that's a clickable title <laughs> right there. Position Statement on Human Aging. We're against it's it. It's good. <laughs> like, 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 so really what they were saying was that there's a growing anti-aging industry. And again, this is back in 2002. And they said it isn't based off of scientific knowledge, but rather is predatory in nature. It yeah. aims at, a, at that vulnerable spot for a lot of people, that fear of aging and dying. And the paper went so far as to say the products being sold have no scientifically demonstrated efficacy in some cases, they may be harmful, and those selling them often misrepresent the science upon which they are based. In the position statement that follows, 52 researchers in the field of aging have collaborated to inform the public of the distinction between the pseudoscientific anti-aging industry and the genuine science of aging that has progressed rapidly in recent years.
1: Yeah, so, I I mean, that seems kind of hard to argue with even today. I oh, mean, sure. That was 2002, but I'd say still my position today would be keep a skeptical open mind about what's possible in terms of anti-aging research, but don't buy any products yet. Yeah.
0: Right. Right. Yeah, I, and, and it's funny because I didn't put this, I meant to put this in the notes, but I, and I mentioned it to both of you beforehand about, uh, I came across a study last week that was looking into the media portrayal of aging, anti-aging uh, treatments, because just as both camps tend to yell at one another about, whether the anti-aging uh, research has any validity or if the claims are overreaching, mostly the, the claims are overreaching or not, uh, that argument has spilled over to debating on how both camps are portrayed within the media. And there was a study that went through to find out, like, does the media favor the anti-aging camps more than the skeptics? Uh, because both uh, both groups argued that the other was being unfairly, uh, championed and that they were being demonized in the media as it well, turned out. Well ain't that
1: always the way? Yeah. I mean if you ask a liberal the media has a conservative bias. If you ask a conservative the media has a liberal bias.
0: Yeah I've had the same thing happen on tech stuff. Like just a technology. Like nothing not even a a, a judgment on the technology and I will have half the people argue that uh that you know you should have really gone after them on this other thing and this and the other half are saying, you're being so unfair to this thing. It just goes to show that uh, – the, the study actually showed that as well. In fact, the study showed that there was a slight uh, preference toward the anti-aging industry, huh. which isn't a terribly – It's not really surprising, surprise. yeah. But it wasn't overwhelming. It wasn't like a, a remarkably huge – I mean the media –
1: that's a bias that makes sense. The media would rather have news to report than – report on something to say nothing all that interesting here yeah
3: yeah yeah. well right right a you want a reason for writing your article and B, like it's it's that mighty ducks kind of thing you know like like at at a certain point you're going like oh but i want to believe in that underdog like i want them to succeed
0: you don't want to you don't want to write the headline that said you're still going to get old and die or you're still going to get old probably and die definitely that would it's not a headline you want to. Right. I don't know.
3: I want to. Can we can we talk to Allison? Can we write an I think can we, can we write an art Stuff Works yeah. now. OK. Like, let's do let's it.
0: Let's do a title where you're still <laughs> going to get old probably and die. Definitely. definitely. Uh, so let's talk about the pro-anti-aging side yes. a little bit. So the Sens' response to those criticisms is varied. But a frequent argument is that the critics of Sens, they, they say – the people who are criticizing us are creating a straw man uh, argument.
1: I I know one thing I have encountered uh, in seeing some of the pro-sense people is they say uh, our, our critics are sort of treating it as if we are making claims that we haven't made yet. You know, they might say that you know we're simply saying these avenues of research should be open and people should consider them legitimate. Uh, whereas our opponents treat us as if we say we found the cure for aging.
0: To be fair, though, De Grey has been pretty <laughs> adamant about these are avenues are the things that are going to lead us to anti-aging. Like it's not well again, it's the headline. Yeah, but but it's making a claim. Sure, that's the problem. What well, you're that saying, like, yeah, claim?
1: he's sure. got he's, so he's got seven engineering problems that he thinks should be addressed. Right,
0: and his argument is that once we address these, we will have defeated aging, and that's that's. Some of the critics, at least, are saying that fundamental premise mm. is flawed. Yeah, uh, at any that rate, seems like a fair criticism. Yeah, De Grey has often said that critics are arguing that it would be difficult, if not impossible, to treat all the effects of aging because we don't fully understand him, but they reject this argument. One of the arguments tends to be, at least De Grey has projected this as being an argument against him. I'm not sure where he pulled it up from, but uh, one of the things I've seen him say is that a lot of people say, hey... For millions of years, animals have aged and and grown more frail over time, and eventually, if nothing else kills them, have died as a result of this. Uh, that's evolution that's happened for millions of years. It's going to take time to counteract that. And His response is no, I won't. So because uh, because <laughs> he says like, well, look at look at how g- gene therapy, for example, could potentially. Uh, counteract something that has been in development for millions of years. Yeah, and he says that that shows that this that's really a non-factor. The, oh yeah, how I long mean, it's I'd been around is that. not an issue. If
1: somebody made that argument, they'd be wrong.
0: Yeah. Okay. That's but it, it, the question is: is that really the argument that's being made against him, or is that just an argument he can win, and therefore he presents that <laughs> yeah. as his counterpoint? Yeah. Um, on the on there's a site called Fight Aging, which I went and read quite a few pieces on. Uh, I guess you can guess Is what Is it
1: belligerent?
0: I, I wouldn't say belligerent. It was fight. Definitely definitely pro on the uh on the Degray and Sense side of Is things.
3: Is it like Fight Club?
0: You, no, they they want you to talk about it. The
3: first if it's your first <laughs> time there, you you have,
0: you, you, to, have you have to, to age. age. Have to stop aging. Uh, so a post from 2008 argues that, quote, the causes of aging are not the pathologies of aging. Pathologies are end results, end quote, which seemed really confusing to me at first because pathology is defined as the science of the causes and effects of diseases. So saying that the cause of aging is not the pathology of aging seems like you're kind of being... The
3: causes of aging are not the causes of aging. Well, right, yeah,
1: that sounds like maybe what they meant to say is the causes of aging are not the effects of aging.
0: Yeah, that's what I'm... Th- when I, when he's saying pathologies of aging, I think he's talking about the pathologies of age-related illnesses and conditions, as opposed to okay. aging itself. So the Post appears to argue that these pathologies and questions are those various diseases and conditions that are a result of aging, and that by addressing aging itself, rather than treating the diseases, we could slow or even reverse the aging process. So in other words... Uh, You know, the big argument here is saying, yes, the effects of aging are complicated, right? These diseases that are a result of the aging process are hard to understand. They will be difficult to treat. I'm not suggesting you do that. Instead, I'm suggesting Hmm. you go back a step further up the chain and address the underlying uh, conditions that lead to these diseases, and therefore you never have to treat the diseases anyway because you've stopped the the dominoes before they can, you know, tilt over and cause everything to fall down. Uh, sure, mm-hmm. I mean,
3: I I do I do hypothetically agree that the best way to prevent dominoes from falling is to never have dominoes
0: in the fir- in the first place. Yeah, I'm much more of a Pizza Hut guy myself. I think the real solution to aging
1: is never be born.
0: Oh, think about it. All right, well. Uh, That same piece goes on to argue that there are comparatively few types of of biochemical damage that can lead to the various age-related diseases. Now, this is the argument that is being presented in Fight Aging, and that by addressing the root cause of the biochemical damage, uh, the diseases could be prevented in the first place, and you don't need to have any further understanding of the diseases. Whether or not we have the true understanding of that biochemical damage Is another question.
3: Well, yeah, and that's the sticking point. Yeah, I I agree that you don't you don't need to understand how a disease happens in order to prevent it. But
0: yeah, you gotta at least have identified the thing that sets everything off, right? right? Like if if I don't know if I if I have a big meal. Here's a great example: if I have a big meal, and then two hours later, I have a massive allergic reaction. I don't necessarily know what element of that big meal (laughs) was the thing that set it off. Uh So without further experimentation and study, uh, I could either just completely ignore everything that I ate and just never have it again. Or I could go another route and try and identify that thing so that I can still enjoy all the other dishes. And and you
3: don't need to know how an allergic reaction works in order to prevent it in the future. Right. As long as you can identify that. That, that trigger,
0: yeah, yeah, or the shrimp, and as the case may be.
3: Yeah.
0: So uh, in February 2016, there was a debate titled Lifespans Are Long Enough. That was the premise of the debate. Mm-hmm. So you had the pro side of the argument. So that's the group that says, yes, lifespans are long enough. We don't need to extend them anymore. Uh, they had uh, Ian Ground of the University of Newcastle and Paul Root Wolp from the Emory Center for Ethics. On the against side, as in, no, lifespans are not long enough, uh, they had Aubrey de Grey and Brian Kennedy, who is the CEO of the Buck Institute for Research on Aging. So before the debate, 32% of the audience believed lifespans are long enough, 36% disagreed and said, no, they're not, and 32% said, I don't know. So then after the debate, 40% believed lifespans are long enough, Forty nine percent said, no, they totally are not. And 11 percent were like, I still don't know. Um, So the online poll version was different. The online poll was dramatically in favor of DeGray's side with 89 percent agreeing with the against position and only 11 percent agreeing on the for position.
1: Oh, it makes sense. I mean, I think people are way more eager to beg for more life when they're anonymous (laughs) or People, <laughs> when somebody knows who you are, you want to have the bravado of saying like, yeah, I'll die whenever. But then once nobody knows who you are, it's like, oh, God,
0: no. <laughs> it's, it's also a question of like, uh, would there have been more of DeGray's supporters uh, tuning on in? On the Internet, in yeah. Because of a, a an emotional buy-in on the the part of the of his position, uh, which uh, honestly I don't know the answers to that. Well,
1: I mean I, I'm not uh, – Super swayed by audience opinions in any case on this, because obviously there is there could quite easily be some motivated reasoning sure. going on. Actually, I would say on both sides. I, yeah. mean, I brought so the obvious side is that people want to live longer. I mean, you have sure. some motivation to say, yes, this is possible because you want it. But then again, I brought up earlier how there might be a taboo on this subject, and I don't think that's an unfair assumption. I think oh, there yeah, may yeah. very well be a taboo people have about the idea of monkeying too much with how long people live. Uh, yeah. Isn't it just supposed to be this way?
3: Yeah, I, I think that even, even if it's not something that anyone is is thinking of – Presently in the front of their mind while they're making these types of arguments and having these types of debates. It's probably it is probably something that's lurking in, in their psyche somewhere. Yeah, sure.
1: Seems unnatural.
0: Now, one thing that I think did help de Grey's argument quite a bit, and we can talk about this a little bit more. Is, did he give them candy? Uh, Not to my knowledge. OK. Uh, maybe he gave them a now and later and said, hey, if you want <laughs> if you want to be able to enjoy <laughs> this now and later to the full extent, you won't have an extended lifespan. So you can enjoy some now and some later.
1: He gave them one marshmallow and said, (laughs) if you can wait 500 years to eat this marshmallow, you'll get two.
0: (laughs) I like I like our references to various psychological uh, studies. No, what he said was that the research into trying to defeat aging will also lead to treatments and uh, therapies for age related diseases. And so there could be benefits, even if. For some reason, the the SENS approach were to never actually uh, bear fruit as far as defeating aging or reversing aging or or uh, increasing the health span that we would uh, experience. He argued that they might learn more about ways to treat diseases like Alzheimer's. Well,
1: I mean, I think in my non-scientist's opinion, that's very possibly true. Yeah. Oh,
0: yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that's and, – and, you know, you can't understate that, right? That's a very valuable – Aspect.
3: Oh, sure. Well, and and that's again. I, I think we mentioned this in the last episode, but that's a thing that we talk about on the show all the time. Is that the, the the value of doing scientific research isn't always necessarily the thing that you set out to discover. It could very well be uh, a, a wonderful side effect, mm-hmm. like X rays.
0: Yeah. Or, yeah. Or or finding a new treatment for for Alzheimer's disease would be right. phenomenal, or Parkinson's, or anything along those lines, where your your initial Uh, your initial research might have been in a related field. It might have been something that was uh, trying to find a specific aspect of aging. And perhaps you never were able to nail that down, but you might have learned something along the way of dealing with like a neurological illness or anything along those lines.
1: You know, I wonder if there's any reason you can think of why we shouldn't do this. Why, uh, you know? It, let's say we could discover a path to healthy aging that would extend human lifespan by a long, long time. It, is there an argument you could make that that's not okay? That that's a thing we shouldn't um, allow ourselves to do? Well, ethically I
0: mean, and morally, I think sure. There, there's some. There's some what questions. Is it? Like for one, for instance, there's the argument that has been made that uh, when you start. Increasing lifespans, that you may also see a decrease in uh, offspring. In other words, you might end up seeing a a an increasingly uh, ageless population that's never changing. It's not getting any um, circulation there. There that that there's a, a decrease in the number of children being born, and that it could therefore become stagnant. That to me sounds almost like you're taking this idea and. And projecting it using a, almost like a science fiction sort of approach oh, without sure. necessarily having the scientific evidence to back up that claim. But it's something I've seen a lot of.
3: Uh, yeah, and – and. Um... On on the flip side of that, what if what if the population growth rate doesn't slow? Right. Uh, what what if you have the the population growing and, and overpopulating at such an incredible rate? You know, we already have many problems with overpopulation and uh, get getting resources to where they need to be to support that population. Uh, is it would it be responsible to allow people to live longer? Or who um, would have access
0: to it? Oh right right because sure. if it's only the people who make a certain amount of money. Mm-hmm. then you have uh, uh, not the one percenters become not just the people who hold most of the wealth. They're the ones who will live long after you're gone. And oh, that's yeah. just not cool. fair.
1: I think a lot of these things that we bring up play on the idea of unfairness. You know, yeah. there seems like that there could be situations of unfairness, but it seems in those cases that the unfairness would be to the people who don't get access to the right, procedure. Right, and right. I'm wondering if is the answer then that nobody should have it? Huh. Uh, like, is it better to and, and make everybody be punished?
3: And, and, and that's sort of a that's that's sort of a I mean, I, I, I certainly can't speak philosophically, morally, ethically uh, to this, but but I would assume that there is a point of view uh, out there, that 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 kind of tinkering with human life goes against uh, the purpose of of humans, like like whatever creator purpose exists for us in the oh, universe. Oh,
1: yeah, I'm sure a lot of people would have various religious uh-huh. objections and so forth. Sure, you know, sure. One weird unfairness that comes to my mind is like. Uh, back-projected historical unfairness. There's nothing to do about this, but I have this <laughs> thought of like, well, what if we did have the ability to live to 500? That would be so unfair to all the people who died before yeah. we had that. What but about FDR? Again, right. But Won't
3: th- <laughs> anyone consider FDR? There's
0: actually a great Mitchell and Webb skit about this. Oh, really? Yeah. Where Where David Mitchell gets irrationally angry that... <laughs> The generation after him will be the first generation to live forever. And he is so angry that it's uh-huh. not his generation. Aww.
1: But, uh, but yeah, then again, is this a reason we should like punish the people who exist today? Well,
0: according to David Mitchell, it absolutely is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I, again, that was a comedy sketch, but I, I think
1: that that's just sort of a weird intuition but yeah it does seem like man it sucks for like the last person dying in a hospital bed of old age before this becomes available well, that's, yeah,
3: happen. that's I mean happen. i'm I'm mad I'm mad at the fr- at the last person to get through a light before it turns red like I'm gonna be furious at people who get to live longer than in me. Atlanta yeah. come
0: on three people can go through that red light <laughs> so uh, no I was going to say that that I think a lot of the people who object to the anti-aging you know, approach, the Sins approach specifically. Don't object to the research or the the, the lines of inquiry or uh, any of that. What they object to is the presentation, the fact that it is being presented in an ostentatious manner as if the the conclusion has already the conclusion's mm-hmm. proven. We're just waiting for the results to have the formalities addressed. That I think is where a lot of people have the the real objection is that yeah. that this guy claims to have the answers already. He, he now he's looking for the scientific backing to prove that the answers he has are all uh, are uh, are all valid answers. And that's not the way science is supposed to work. And I think that's the major objection. Some of them have said, hey, it may turn out that some of the, the things he's claimed are absolutely correct. But we have no way of knowing that. And he has no way of knowing that. So I could just as easily claim the color blue is what causes aging. Give me money. Yeah. Yeah. So that that I think is where the major uh, objection is. Not so much that we should not look into ways to treat or halt or reverse aging. And not that it's impossible. right? Right. Right. Rather, we can't just make a claim and then hope that we can back it up. That I think is where most of the objections I've seen come from. Oh well, sure.
3: It's I I don't know. Like and and I and I do get it, you know, watching. And if you guys out there have not ever watched Aubrey de Grey speak, uh I I totally recommend checking it out because he's a very entertaining speaker if nothing else. Um, and he has an epic beard. So yeah. epic. Uh yeah, maybe he's using all the research money to just to just moisturize his beard. Yeah, it's maybe just, that's what's just going on.
0: All going to beard oil. That's terrible. I'm sorry. Uh no, no, no. <laughs> so um
1: He is the Rasputin of gerontology.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We we have made this assertion before, we will make it again.
3: No, 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 no. Uh what what I was what I was trying to what I was trying to get in to say is that uh even, even if you disagree with uh Sens and with Aubrey de Grey's personal ideas, um I I think it's I think it's wonderful that he is encouraging this kind of discussion um and, and that he is promoting the concept of of doing this research i mean you yeah know.
0: I, I i don't necessarily agree with the the methodology but it certainly has and, and i think the one of the reasons i don't agree with the methodology is i think that because it has created such a a reactionary response that it sure. like somewhat delays any results we might see otherwise but at least there's a conversation happening, right? And, right, and that is good. And whether or not uh, we, as members of the media, are helping or hindering that kind of uh, is still up for debate, I guess, depending upon what side of the argument you fall on. But it is absolutely fascinating, and of course, this is something that affects all of us. So yeah,
3: yeah, and you know, we shouldn't we shouldn't let degrees style of optimism out overpower our, our reasoning, but we also also shouldn't let our, our reasoning overpower our optimism. I yeah,
0: think. no, I, I agree. I've always said that optimism to me includes acknowledging the challenges that are in the way, but not allowing those challenges to to prevent us from trying. Right? We need there needs to be that balance there. You need to be able to say, this is what I'm setting out to do. I know there are going to be road bumps on the way I am willing and able to overcome those as they as I encounter them. And that to me is that's kind of the human story in many ways. Uh, Hasn't always been a pleasant one, but it's always it's been throughout the ages really inspiring to see what people can do, uh, particularly when they don't know that something is impossible, because it turns out they push back that definition of what impossible actually is. So this was kind of cool. It was interesting and, a, again, a more philosophical discussion than what we sometimes will talk about here on the show. If you guys have suggestions for future episodes of Forward Thinking, let us know. Or if you have thoughts about this whole topic, I want to hear what you have to say. Send us an email. Our address is at fwthinkingathowstuffworks.com or drop us a line on Twitter or Facebook. At Twitter, we are fwthinking. If you search FW Thinking in Facebook, our profile will pop right up. You can leave us a message there. And we will talk to you again really soon.
3: For more on this topic and the future of technology, visit forwardthinking.com. Brought to you by Toyota. Let's go places.